Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. All right, brand new I Am Rapport Stereo podcast is coming up next. Trickin' Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, gets caught in a rub-and-tug spot in Jupiter, Florida. I have very specific suggestions for the correction officers and police officers that are escorting R. Kelly, a.k.a. the nastiest motherfucker of 2019, into the courtroom. Plus, we have Eli Lake coming up on the I Am Rap for Stereo Podcast, talking about Venezuela, talking about Dick Stain, Donald Trump, and if any one of the Democratic candidates that are running for president has a chance to win. All that and more, so much more Oscar talk, so much more on a brand new big body Hard Body Karate, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Miles, Jordan, let me get something real nice, something real proper, and something real funky. Let's go. All right. All right. We are here. Have no fear. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. You are now rocking... With the best, it's a shit-talking extravaganza. My name is Michael Rapport, a.k.a. the Ringo Mandingo, a.k.a. the White Chocolatito, a.k.a. Mr. White Folks. It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Let's get to it. There's so much. There's so much. Later on in the show, we're going to have the uh, unofficial, official I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast news correspondent from Bloomberg News, friend of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, Eli Lake will be here to give us um, some insight on what's going on in the world. Uh, Trump is getting ready to meet Kim Jong-un. 
Venezuela is in chaos. Um, and I want to get his perspective on which of the 94, I believe it's 94 Democratic presidential candidates he thinks is going to wind up going toe-to-toe, mano y mano, with Dick's name, Donald Trump. All that and more on a brand new, hard-hitting I Am Rap Stereo podcast. But I'm here right now. So the Oscars was a couple of days ago, and as expected, it was a very fucking boring show. Um, no host meant uh, very little fun. You had an occasional presenter that was okay, but in general, it's 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 the kind of award show where they're never going to look back and pull clips from this show, except for certain people that won awards, uh, like Regina King, who I said, I did I or did I not fucking say the only sure bet for the Oscars this year in the acting and filmmaking categories, the big categories was Regina King. I know this shit. I'm not just talking out of my fucking ass. We're not playing lotto here. All right, this ain't a Powerball game. I I told you, and I fucking bet money on it. Okay, mybookie.com, mybookie.ag was placing bets on Oscar uh, wins and losses, and I bet on Regina King, and I won on Regina King. Okay, I put my own money where my own mouth is. Fucking told you. Um, Spike Lee finally won an Oscar award along with his three other writers for Black Klansman. There were four writers total. Um, and Spike Lee was the fourth writer named on that script. I was happy for Spike. Um, Spike, uh, who I sometimes am just annoyed by. I think everybody gets annoyed by him, which is, which is fine. Um, if anybody loves filmmaking, loves the history um, understands the history of of show business and the Academy Awards. It's Spike Lee. He he's a you know he loves his shit. You know Spike Lee loves his shit. Aside from his personality, which um, you know can can be fucking just whack and overwhelming, which wound up being a, a Oscar night. He loves show business. He loves the Oscars. Um, he understands it. He studied it. He's always wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, he's a true filmmaker, even though some of his films I don't think are that good. Um, I thought Black Klansman was a good film, but I was happy that he was one of the writers, uh, that his film won Best uh, Screenplay, Adapted Screenplay, along with the three other uh, writers that wrote the script, Black Klansman. He, uh, he was very uh, excited, genuinely happy uh, when he won Samuel Jackson, who he he discovered he gave him his big break in um of course jungle fever but before that school days and and you know you can say what you want about spike lee uh about his films about his personality and all that but the list of people that he discovered or gave their big breaks to is it's pretty fucking impressive everybody from rosie perez to giancarlo esposito to the late, great Bill Nunn, to Samuel Jackson. His big break was in Jungle Fever, um, to showing the world uh, Denzel Washington as a sex symbol. He was not a sex symbol in anything he did before Mo Better Blues. Spike knew that he had that special charisma, and he treated him and shot him uh, in that way for Mo Better Blues. Um, to John Turturro, to Nick Turturro, 
to Danny Aiello. His only Oscar-nominated performance was in Do the Right Thing. Um, to Mackay Pfeiffer. He, he discovered Mackay Pfeiffer. To Robbie Reed, the casting director. To the woman who won the Oscar last night for Black Panther. Uh, he gave her a break as a, as a costume director. Um, so his work and the people that he saw something in before anybody else uh, goes without saying. That being said, at the Oscars, after Green Book won Best Film, which was a surprise to everybody. I thought everybody thought Roma was going to win. Spike Lee bugged the fuck out um, and tried to leave the theater while uh, the people from Green Book, who invited every single person and their mother on stage, which I thought was whack. It's like, yo, this ain't, this ain't the SAG Awards. This ain't the Grammys. This ain't the Emmys. This is the Oscars. This ain't a, 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 I get like, oh, we all did it, but you had 50 people on the stage like on some Wu-Tang Clan shit. But Spike went fucking crazy, tried to leave, and then afterwards, after the show, in the press conference, he was dissing uh, Green Book. I didn't think Green Book was that good of a movie, but I just think that somebody like Spike who knows how much it takes to make a film, whether it's the biggest piece of shit or the, the biggest success ever, for him to shit on other film success when he got an Oscar and he got the nominations and he just knows how hard it is to make a film. I think it was, it was rude. And, and if you think about like Martin Scorsese, who Spike Lee has been immensely influenced by uh, his films, you could see it in his work, uh, losing for best director and best film um, for Raging Bull and Goodfellas. If you didn't see him running up and down the aisles uh, making a spectacle of himself. You didn't see him bad-mouthing them. And Glenn Close last night, I thought she was a shoe-in for Best Supporting Actress. Um, she's been nominated seven times. Seven times. She didn't win. Um, if she had went crazy when uh, uh, she didn't get the award and she was dissing uh, the actress uh, from The Favorite who won or anybody else was acting like that, Nobody would be laughing because the people interviewing Spike at the press conference, they were like laughing and, you know, you know, having a good time with it. If uh, Glenn Close had been like, that fucking bitch, she didn't deserve it. I've been doing this since 19 so-and-so and so-and-so. I've been nominated seven times and you dragged me out here and not give me the award. What the fuck? And she had done a version of that. People would have been appalled. Um, but a lot of people were just laughing and, and giggling when Spike was doing it. Uh, but he won an award, so I'm glad for Spike inevitably, but hold your head. Uh, seriously, these, these fucking award shows make people nuts. They make people, and they bring out a lot of the good things in people, but they also bring out a lot of the fucking bad things in people. And as I also predicted, fucking Lady Gaga did not win, but she fake cried uh, when she won the Oscar for uh, the song with Bradley Cooper. I don't know the name of it, but I got to admit, it's a very touching uh, good song. Their performance was very good. And her face did drop uh, when she didn't win the Oscar to um, the woman who, I can't remember her name, the best supporting actress. I can't remember her name. Listen, it's the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. The Oscars was about a day and a half ago. Okay? I'm not fact-checking anything. Uh, but she was up there. I need to master that. That Lady Gaga crying with no tears. If I could master that as an actor, and I'm being totally serious, it, it, it would benefit me because crying, when, when a script says, uh, and then he cries, 
it's a lot of pressure, but she truly gives you the impression that she's actually crying when she's actually not crying. Like there's no fucking tears ever coming out of her face, but it looks like she's like her her dog died. Now I'm not wishing or hoping her dog died, but she she literally looks crushed. I mean, just broken every single time she wins an award. Uh, she like fell into somebody's arms backstage, and it's like, give me a fucking break, Gaga. You're making me fucking gag gag, Gaga. Uh, Mahershala Ali won for Best Supporting Actor. He has two, two, two Oscars, and I like him. He's a really good actor. Samuel Jackson is the person who should have went batshit crazy. Samuel Jackson has only one nomination, I believe, only one-time nomination, but no Oscars. He has not won an Oscar. Samuel Jackson has been so good, so many times over starting a jungle fever i mean he to, to jackie brown to uh, uh, all the tarantino films pulp fiction the list goes on and on and on when samuel jackson should have won either best actor or best supporting actor mahershala ali has two two fucking awards He's been nominated twice and he won twice. Samuel Jackson, uh, he's up there uh, with his fucking dick in his hands every single year. I hope, I'm sure he'll win an Oscar for something at some point. I hope they don't have to give him some sort of um, lifetime achievement award. Because we're literally talking about one of the great actors of all time. Uh, He could be funny. He could be menacing. Nobody says fuck as good as him. Uh, He's consistent all the time. He does big movies, he does small movies. He's just one of the best. He's got Zip, Zip Zero, Stingy with De Niro. Might buy you Chris, but that about the... Anyway, that was a Jay-Z lyric. Um, but that's it with the fucking Oscars. I'm done. Uh, as I said, these awards don't mean anything if you win. These awards don't mean anything if you lose. I always go back to Goodfellas, didn't win. I always go back to Raging Bull, didn't win. Oh, yeah. So, uh, this was great. This was fucking great. And and a lot of people called for an emergency podcast. I'm going to be honest, though. Uh, Miles Davis was uh, in Mexico City. He was down there, I think, for a bachelor party. or I don't know what the fuck he was doing. The the, the sound engineer extraordinaire slash producer of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. So, we had collectively decided that there's not going to be any emergency podcast. Uh, But when New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft got pinched a few days ago for being at a fucking rub and tug. Of course, my first instinct was to pick up the golden mics of the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast without fact checking. I I, I didn't give a fuck what I, because at first when you heard that Robert Kraft had something to do with a rub and tug and it was a prostitution ring and it was I was like yo he's pimping that was my first thing like yo he's somehow pimping but it turns out he's tricking now the difference we all know what a pimp does the trick is the one who gets tricked the trick is the one who's paying to play so Robert Kraft in Jupiter Florida which is like 15-20 minutes away from Mar-a-Lago uh, this is like the, the 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 very very wealthy parts of Florida, where the, the the elite and the rich 
go to play. Um, this wasn't some high-end uh, uh, spot. This wasn't some, you know, fancy, you know, uh, exclusive strip club with a back room, with a champagne room where you get... Duke is in a, in a rub and tug in a strip mall. Like, there's like a ramen noodle place, a taco stand, a 7-Eleven, and a rub and tug. We, we, we know what the, the aesthetics are. Everybody's seen them. Everybody's driven by them. And the majority of rub and tugs, now I don't know how it works in Florida. The majority of these massage places are legit. I go to a massage place in Los Angeles. It's five minutes from my house. I actually walk there. From the outside, you would you don't know what it is. This could be like a freak off spot, aka rub and tug, uh, or it could be a legit massage place. This place is legit. It's been there for years. It's on Wilshire. I go see my girl Paula. Uh, she she's Korean or Chinese. She speaks no English. She's been rubbing my back. Uh, for about eight years, and there's everything's on the up and up. It's clean. I think it's a family-run business, and you know how you know it's on the up and up because it's been there for so long. Now, I will say, okay, in my sordid past, I have—I uh, wouldn't say frequented. Uh, well, I could say frequented, but it's not something I go to all the time. I, like most men over the age of twenty-one. I have been to a rub and tug. Now, I will say, 99.9% of these incidents in the rub and tugs, I'm 48, okay? I've been rubbing and tugging since I'm probably, I don't know, 23, 24. Uh, Actually, scratch that. I have a story. I'll save it for another time about the first time I went to a rub and tug. Um, I don't want to indict anybody, but that was in 1986. Um... I'll save that for another time, but it's a good fucking story. I want to stay focused on Robert Kraft and my personal history as a an adult in the rubbing tugs. Um, most of the time that you go into uh, these these massage parlors where things could uh, go to the next level, uh, you don't know. At least I don't know. I go in there innocently thinking it's a massage spot. Now, literally, because I, I like massages. I, I'm with the whole massage community. I like uh, back rubs. I like Asian back rubs because they, they don't fuck around. They, a lot of times they'll, they'll stand on you, walk on you, and all that shit. But, but, um, if they want to take it to the next level, what they do is, uh, you know, because massages are very, they're very intimate, but they're not sexual. They're intimate because the lady's all over your fucking back. Uh, you're slipping, you're sliding, uh, you're naked, but most of you, your, your cock and balls, your ass is usually covered uh, uh, by a sheet, especially cock and balls. The ass, you know, they'll, they'll uncover one cheek at a time. Now, the way you know that things might go t- to the next level is they might kind of creep, like, down the leg, and they creep down the leg again. And then as they're creeping, they might just, I mean, talking about fingertip, like it could be an accident. It very well could be an accident because I've, I've had massages by men where, you know, sometimes it's just like, I mean, just like the slightest, like, Maybe like the fingertip kind of accidentally, you know, might graze something like a ball or, or a cock or something like that. And, and, and But the way they, they see if you're interested is they'll do it again. Okay, and then they might do it again. Then if you kind of respond with a, a thrust or a, a moan or a ooh or an ah or something like that, then we might get into exploring where things can go. Okay, 
And I don't know uh, how Robert Kraft and the rest of these guys down there in Florida, and, and the rumor has it, sources, and I'm not just throwing this out there, sources have said that there is another big name that's going to come out. Okay, this is just sources, and this is from some of my sports people, but sources have said that the big name is one of the big athletes that lives down in Florida. Now, one of those names is Tiger Woods. If it was Tiger Woods, it would be sort of a disappointing big name because it was like, oh, man, I thought we had someone good. Of course Tiger goes to the fucking rub and tug. You ain't fooling anybody, Tiger. I don't give a fuck what you say, how you present yourself, your family. We know how you get down. No one thinks anything more about how you get down. We know you're about that life. The other big name that allegedly has been thrown around, and it hasn't come out yet, but the other big name that they were saying that could possibly be tied into this is the GOAT, Michael Jordan. I think he has a house down there. And this is just the name that I heard that could possibly be tied into us. But but neither one of those guys has, has been convicted. Uh, Robert Kraft, um, the last time they got him, and they got him on videotape, which is fuck. I can't believe they could videotape this. They got him on videotape, and you know we don't know what's confirmed or denied. At first, it was he, he was in there, and he got a little, a little hand job. Uh, and then they were saying it was sex, which I don't want to see. This this motherfucker's 70, 76, and he looks 96. Robert Kraft is a donut, bagel-eating, uh, sloppy, old, old, rich, billionaire Jew motherfucker. I don't want to see this little doorbell dick motherfucker freaking off no one wants to see that that tape no one wants to see that skeet tape um that no no um they said he the last time he went there was the day of the afc playoff game when they were playing the kansas city chiefs you know duke drives around in a, in a plane you know he he don't fly into the game into the city the day before or two days before duke flies in there like it's an uber like he he, he fires up the plane and then we go where we want to go um, so apparently the morning of the, the Kansas City Chiefs game, uh, my man Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill had him so nervous, he need to get a little release uh, uh, so he, he could relax and focus on the football game. Uh, and because it's uh, Robert Kraft and he's a billionaire and he's fucking Spygate and Deflategate and all the other, like, he's got like, you know, he ain't a, he's not like, oh, oh you little menchy little Jew. He gives a lot of money to Israel. Uh, he's part of the prison reform thing that Jay-Z started. Uh, coincidentally, Meek Mill started. He's been supportive of that. He does a lot of good things, but he's also a hard-nosed businessman, and he's the fucking Patriots owner. He owns the fucking Patriots. This cocksucker is part of a lot of bullshit with the Patriots, okay? But I will say this on, on any man's defense. If he goes in there and freaks off, and the fact that it's on videotape, God forbid that gets put out there. That's not dope for anybody. Uh, number two, you know, rubbing tugs, listen, they're our little secret. Okay, whether it's Michael Jordan, Robert Kraft, Joe Schmo, your neighbor, rubbing tugs are our little secret. These motherfuckers are blowing up the spot for all of us. You feel me? Now, I'm out of the rubbing tug game. Okay, uh, but but I know people like to get down with the rubbing tugs and they're saying, oh, why? There was some article. Why do rich men like to go 
to massage parlors and get uh, handies. I call them handies, hand jobs. Uh, Why do rich white men? Wrong! This is not a racial issue and it's not about rich people. There's not a man alive. If they're hip to the game that hasn't stepped foot in a rub and tug joint and 99.9% of the people walk out with just that, a rub and tug, okay? Hand jobs are the most underrated, underappreciated sexual act in the world. Men need them. Men want them. Men like them. And if Robert Kraft, because of his sloppiness, takes away this, this little piece of pleasure that men have been doing for years, and it's a fair-priced uh, organization. You don't have to pay much for a good old-fashioned rub and tug. If Robert Kraft uh, is the one that to, to shut down this industry, you fuck. You fuck. You don't show up to a fucking rub and tug in a strip mall in a fucking blue Bentley, you cocksucker. You don't do that. You call an Uber or a Lyft or you ride up there on your bicycle and you keep it low key. You're bringing too much attention to this. I, 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 look, there's more to meets the eye to this thing. There is more to meets the eye at this place. It, it just seems like there, there's so many of these, these jump off spots in cities, man. You, you could go to any city and you'll find maybe there'll just be one. But, but there is that one. They're all over the fucking place. And like I said, I'm not about that life. Um, and you, and like I said, also from the bottom of my heart, you never really know if you're going in there. Like a lot of times I like to go get my feet rubbed. Next thing you know, oh, hey, I just came to get my feet rubbed. Uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but, uh, I don't know. Fucking Dick Stain Robert Kraft. You hope you don't fuck this up for everybody, man. You, you, you're sloppy, man. Sloppy old motherfucker, man. You're sloppy, man. Jesus Christ, man. Hold your head, man. Get it together. Don't show up to the rub and tug, the $59 rub and tug in a Bentley, man. You're bringing attention to the spot. I am Rappaport Podcast. You know, I've been... uh, I've been mad shamed a lot. I haven't talked about mad shaming uh, on the podcast recently. Uh, but uh, for new listeners and for people that have never read uh, this book has balls, sports rants from the MVP of Talking Trash, uh, there's a whole chapter in this book has balls, sports rants from the uh, MVP of Talking Trash, uh, my book, which is now available on the hardcover, soft cover. Uh, uh, audio book that I narrate the whole fucking thing. You can get every single place uh, where you get books. Uh, uh, I do a whole chapter on on mad shaming, but I, I've been getting mad shamed a lot. And 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 if you don't know what mad shaming is, uh, l- let me explain it in bullet point details. Mad shaming is this, okay? If you love something, if you get excited, if you're passionate about something, if you get uh, hyped, uh, you celebrate something. The opposite of that is being mad at something. The Patriots are a great example. The New England Patriots, okay? Most people uh, uh, in the world outside of Boston can't stand those cocksuckers, okay? And, and their fans would be like, you don't like them because they're so good. 
And I say, duh, motherfucker. And they'll say, you mad, bro? You mad? And I go, yes, I'm fucking mad. My team sucks. Your team is good. Tom Brady has, 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 has his face pumped up with more Botox than Lady Gaga had at the Oscars, and he's a football player. Okay? Your fucking owner goes to rubbing tugs. See, and then people are like, oh, you mad? You mad? It all started when Richard Sherman said to Tom Brady, coincidentally, you mad, bro? You mad? When uh, Tom Brady th- uh, threw those interceptions to Richard Sherman. And then, you know, people are like, oh, you mad? You, yes, let me, life, life, if you're going to be happy about things, if you're going to be excited about things, if you're going to be uh, celebrating things, you have the right to get mad about things. And recently, people have been mad shaming me. They're like, yo, you so mad, bro. Why you so mad? You mad because LeBron James ain't on your team? Yes. You mad because LeBron James just wins? Yes. I get mad shamed all the time. And what I'm here to discuss is do not feel ashamed of your emotions, whether they're extraordinarily hype, whether you love something, or whether you can't stand something. I feel like I give a balanced attack. I talk shit, and I give credit where credit is due. When something's going my way, I celebrate it. When something doesn't work out in my favor, I'm angry about it. But I should not be mad shamed. The internet is the the devil's playground, especially for mad shaming. There's so much mad shaming or or hate shaming. You why you hating? Why you hating? You you why you hating on LeBron? Fucking forget this fucking guy. LeBron James is the perfect athlete that for some reason or another you can't hate on. Everybody understands why you would hate on Tom Brady. Everybody understood why you would hate on Kobe Bryant. Everybody understands why people hated on Larry Bird. Everybody understands why people hate Drake. But LeBron James is exempt. LeBron fucking James threw his team under the bus yet again just Two days ago, they lost to the Anthony Davis-less New Orleans Pelicans. And instead of just saying, yo, we didn't play well, I didn't play well, we got a re-up, we got another game in a couple of days, he starts finger-pointing at everybody and anybody. And it made me think that LeBron James, I think that he, yo, fame and success can do this to you. I seriously think that LeBron James thinks that Luke Walton and the entire coaching staff, Kyle Kuzma, and the rest of the players on the Lakers are all there to help facilitate him get a championship. And I'm saying, because I'm like, what is wrong with this fucking guy? Like, you know he's a good father. You know he understands basketball. You know he understands what it takes for a team to do well. Why every single time your team doesn't do well despite the fact that you play no defense because your body cannot allow you to play offense and defense anymore, you throw your team under the bus. If that was one of his sons saying, man, this guy didn't play good or that guy didn't play good, he'd be like, you know what? Make them better. Pick them up. Make them feel uh, like they're part of the team. 
What did you do wrong? What can you do better? That's what he would say to his son. But when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers, he acts like everybody is there to facilitate his legacy, to facilitate him getting his next championship. And he acts like the entire team is a bunch of bums. JaVale McGee has two rings. Rondo has a ring. Tyson Chandler has a ring. Lance Stevenson, he doesn't have a ring, but he's been deep in the playoffs. He knows what it takes to win. So the guys that he's shitting on, Kuzma, who's playing well every single game, Brandon Ingram, who scored 29 points in the game that LeBron James threw him under the bus yet again, I I just don't get it. I don't get it. And then when I call him on it, people are like, you hating, why you so mad, bro? Yo! Yo! The same reason why I'm mad is the same same emotion that I'm going to have and I'm going to carry when the Warriors knock them the fuck out of the playoffs, even if they make it to the playoffs. Because at this point, the way they're playing and the way he's finger-pointing, I do not think they're making it to the playoffs. Again, I won't bet on that because it's LeBron, and I think that that core of young players around him can get it together. But, yo, every day, every game counts. And I'm so sick and tired because I don't suck this guy off every move he makes. I get mad shamed. Like I said, it's okay to talk shit about Brady. No one questions why anybody would talk shit about Brady. Or no one questions why anybody would talk shit about Joe Montana. Or Troy Aikman. Or fucking Tony Romo. But for some reason in sports, everybody's got to love and bow down to LeBron James. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck you and fuck your mad, shaming ass. Let me be. Let me emote. If you don't like it, okay, maybe it's because I'm speaking that truth. Speaking that good, good truth. What else is going on? So apparently, Juicy Jesse Somlay is in the same prison that R. Kelly just got out of. R. Kelly spent this past weekend in jail. The motherfucker finally went to jail. I think they got him. I think now they got this fucking degenerate cocksucker, Robert Kelly. R. fucking Kelly. I think I think they got him. There's more sex tapes with underage women. And I just hope that when he makes his first appearance in court, R. Kelly shows up with a black fucking eye. I think any child molesters, rapists, This piece of shit who's been having sex with 14-year-old girls despite the fact that he's 52, you nasty, dirty shitbag. When he shows up to court, the Chicago Police Department and the correction officers in the jail where he's staying, they should pride themselves on, yo, he ain't showing up without at least a black eye, a fucking eye jammy. That, That should be the mandatory if, if, you're, if you're like one of these guys and we know you've done greasy, nasty, foul shit, you don't show up in front of the judge uh, unharmed. Like, he should at least have a broken foot and a black eye. Um, I hope that Chicago represents and the correction officers uh, that are bringing him in and out of the jail, they like trip him or elbow him. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mr. Kelly. Sorry about that. Oh, let's get some ice on that. Have him go in there with a fucking stake on his eye or something like that. Because these guys, child molesters, uh, people that are fucking violating women physically in any kind of way, especially this piece of shit, 
uh, he needs to show up with some sort of wound to, to let know, like, yo, this is just the beginning. You, you, you're going to be experienced that bump and grind. I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. You, that's, that song's going to take on a whole new meaning when he's in prison. Like, Robert Kelly's going to be, yo, R. Kelly is going to be the wonder bread bag and olive oil poster boy when he's finally convicted. If he doesn't off himself, he, he knows it's coming. If he doesn't off himself. But these people are so sick. Uh, they'll just hang on to their their glimmer of, of being not guilty forever. Uh, uh, but this piece of shit doesn't deserve to show up in court without an eye jammy. All right, let's get to it. It's uh, time for the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast Sick Fuck of the Week segment. This is an award that is earned, not given. Earned, not given. It's called the Sick Fuck of the Week. She's really fucking sick, man. She's fucking whack. Why? Make them stop. You smell like a sick fuck. You look like a sick that fuck. ain't supposed to be on a plane, you sick what you, fuck what, you. What are you doing? Hey, man, leave that chicken alone. Leave the chicken alone. Well, what are you doing to the chicken? That doesn't belong in a chicken. Yes, this is an award-winning segment. Uh, you know what it is. Uh, it doesn't go out to just any old sick fuck. No, it goes out to a certain type. A certain type of sick fuck with a... Uh, how do the French say it? A certain kind of, uh, I forget the word, I don't speak French well. Oh yeah, a certain kind of a je ne sais quoi. Uh, let's get right to it. The first sick fuck. This hurts me more than it hurts the sick fuck. Gabriel Seals, the ghoulish F-D-N-Y-E-M-T. He's a fire department of New York E-M-T. Sick fuck. So a patient dying of a heart attack as a way to rob him and stole the patient's Macy's card and went on an online shopping spree. You dumb fuck you. Gabriel Seals is 35. A poor 57-year-old man passed away on 6th Avenue and 42nd Street. Instead of taking him and trying to save him and then after he passed bringing him to the hospital, letting the family know this sick fuck stole the man's Macy's card and his American Express card and spent more than $1,000 on clothings and other items. You sick fuck you. I mean, this guy's just, this guy, the fire department EMT guy, that's just sick fuck 101. This next one was sent to me by OG Paul Wall, friend of the Iron Rap Poor Stereo Podcast, friend in real life. And all you guys out there that are sending and submitting all the sick fucks out there, uh, please do. Uh, we'll get to them eventually. It's been a wacky year. It's hard to keep up with these, uh, these sick fucks out there. But a guy in Maywood, California, in Yum Yum Donuts, uh, there's Yum Yum Donuts right near uh, me. I don't live in Maywood. I live in Los Angeles, a.k.a. Hollywood. Uh, but a 63-year-old man, a 63-year-old man at Yum Yum Donuts 
at 3 p.m. in the middle of the day was stabbed three times for no reason out of the blue. It was all caught on surveillance video. A knife-wielding sick fuck walked into the California donut shop and stabbed this 63-year-old man in his back and then ran out of the donut shop. I, I don't know what this was or what uh, this was about, but they're calling this an attempted murder at a Maywood donut shop. Listen, this guy's still on the loose. If you live in Maywood or close to Maywood, a Latino, approximately 5'6", with a beard, is on the loose. A sick fuck. This guy obviously likes donuts. He's got a sweet tooth. Keep your fucking head on a swivel if you're in Yum Yums, if you're in 7-Eleven or your local bakery. This guy is still on the loose. Now, I have talked many times about uh, my fear of, of wild animals. I don't like them. Deers, coyotes, obviously bears, uh, foxes, any of it. I don't like any of it. Cats, any of them that could jump you. Okay. Any of them that are unpredictable. In Florida, a man was on, uh, on a dog walk with his dog. And a coyote approached him and his dog. The coyote tried to steal, eat, kill my man's dog. But Duke fought back. The coyote tried to bite his legs first. Homeboy smashed him over the head with his coffee cup. Continued to smash this rabid cocksucker over the head with his coffee cup. He says, and I quote, he came at me. He came at me again. So I smashed him and I smashed him again. He then jumped at my face. And when he did that, well, I smashed him one more time. I screamed and he left. Be careful out there. These coyotes are not your friends. They're not your neighborhood friendly coyote. This ain't Bugs Bunny. Is there a coyote on Bugs Bunny? I'm asking myself. I don't even know. I have no idea. I know whether it was Wiley Coyote. He was either on Bugs Bunny or the Roadrunner. You know, if I saw the Roadrunner, Duke from the Disney cartoons, fucking hit him too. Hit him with my coffee cup, anything I could get my hands on. I don't trust these animals. There's a woman uh, down there in Houston. She's a, a dog trainer. A well-known neighborhood dog trainer. She was found in her backyard, unfortunately dead, with dog bites covering her arms, her hands, and her face. A Doberman pincher that she had been training killed her. One of her clients showed up for a training session. The woman was in her backyard dead. Yo, you know my rule. If, I, if, if I'm not 100% sure that the animal can be controlled and beaten up, if we get into a fight, because that's what it's going to be. You're fighting an animal. It could be a kangaroo, a pit bull, a horse. They shouldn't be home pets. These Doberman pitchers, these, these pit bulls, like they're 160 pounds. Some people are good with them. Some people control. And the majority of the times, nothing happens. But for me, me personally, if I can't get, like my dog Wheezy, sweet as can be. Let's say he ate uh, 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 some, some shit with rabies in it and he tried, to, he tried to get crunk with me. 
and it's me or Wheezy. I'm going to body slam you, Wheezy. I'm looking right at you. Wheezy, you try any of that funky shit with me, I'm body slamming your ass. Okay? And it ain't going to be personal. But if it comes between you and me, uh, me and my wife, me and my kids, because you ate some rabie-infected shit, I'm not, I'm not having it. I need to be able to know that I can secure the animal at the snap, at the snap of a finger. I don't want to be in like the fight of my life. I don't want to feel like I'm in there with Joe Frazier for 15 rounds with, with a home pet, a horse, any of it. That's just my personal rule. Next. In Florida. Now, this is uh, not a big story, but if you saw the guy, he is perfect example of what a sick fuck looks like. He's got some sort of uh, uh, bat webbing, spider webbing, uh, tattoos on his forehead. Then he's got some scribble scrabble above his eye. Then he's got all sorts of random words. All of it, all the work, all his tattoo work is on the right side of his face. Uh, See, yes, everybody's going to discriminate because not only do you have tattoos, you have very bad tattoos and you have words that are unreadable on your face. Did you do this yourself? Oh, people think I'm weird because my my tattoos. Yes, yes. And anyone who tells you different is lying to you. Wade Smith was arrested and charged with domestic battery in Florida over the weekend after he threw cookies at his girlfriend. Again, not a real big uh, serious uh, situation. Now, I don't know why she called uh, the police on her, on her bo- the boyfriend for throwing cookies. That's, that's the end of the story. He threw cookies at her forehead, leaving her forehead with a mark. Well, sweetheart, at least you don't have tattoos all over your fucking face. Why are you with this lunatic anyway? Look him up. Look up Wade Smith, Florida. He looks nuts. Why is this even a story? The, the, you know what, Wade? The reason why they arrested you is because they wanted to run your file. Because when they came to the house and like, oh, Jesus, a little dispute. He threw cookies. It's because of the tattoos. And, and I have no problem discriminating against these face tattoos. This isn't like some Mike Tyson shit. These aren't even like some, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? The, uh, the singer. Uh, fuck is his name? Uh, the fucking uh, White Iverson guy who has always tired. These are worse tattoos. I can't even remember Duke's name. Okay. But when you walk around looking like that, yeah, people people are going to jump to conclusions. Sorry, this South Carolina couple, two sick fucks. The guy has a whole full head of tattoos all around his head. Looks like a sick fuck. He has dark, black, beady eyes. Robert Saldaga and Sabrina Emmerich were charged with torturing their kids with hot sauce and peppers to try to discipline them. They would make them eat Tabasco sauce and peppers. Piece of shit. These people are animals. You know, uh, the little boys, five and seven, it happened on multiple times. You can't figure out a better way to discipline your kids. They poured the, the hot sauce in their eyes and their mouth, which induced vomiting. I don't know how it was tipped off, but good, you got arrested. Animals, sick fuck, Robert Salgado, Saldago, whatever the fuck. I'm not going to get your name right. You look nuts. Your girlfriend looks nuts. Lock them up. Lock them down. Yeah, you see, you lock them up and then you lock them down. Keep them in there for a while. Find somebody else to take care of these kids. You guys aren't good people. No, you know what you are? You're sick fucks. That's it. 
That's it. Coming up next on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, the official, unofficial political correspondent of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. He's been rocking with us from the beginning. My guy, Eli Lake from Bloomberg News, is going to break down Venezuela, the Kim Jong-un, Donald Trump summit meeting, and which one of these people has a chance to take down Dick Stain, Donald Trump. Coming up next with my man, Eli Lake from Bloomberg News. Hello. Yo, Eli. Michael Rappaport. What up, my man? Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, too, man. How's everything? It's going okay. How's uh how's life in Washington? What uh what's the inside scoop? What what are you excited about? What are you nervous about? And then and then I want to uh, finally ask you do any one of the 970 I think it's 974 people that have thrown their hat into the Democratic presidential election pool have a shot at taking down bad bad Dick Stain Donald Trump, but start with the other things and end and end with the uh, the presidential pool because I'm not I'm not uh, feeling confident about any of them. Well, in Washington, you know, inside D.C., everybody is waiting for the big Mueller report, uh, which is not going to be this week, but probably next week now, and that is going to tell us, you know, whether or not we're going to see Democrats begin impeachment uh, or if it's going to continue to kind of go on the way it is. And, you know, my, my, I suspect that they're not going to get the president for the initial uh, sort of conspiracy idea that we thought that he was involved directly with Russians to help the influence campaign of the 2016 election. But there are a whole lot of other things that don't really have much to do with that, um, whether it's, you know, paying off Stormy Daniels and other porn stars uh, which would be a kind of illegal um, and lying about that, which would be illegal campaign finance violations, which are going to be help, dealt with through the Southern District of New York. And then, and so, so that's the state of play at this point. But my sense of it is just reading the other indictments from Robert Mueller so far is that he doesn't have a direct conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia mm-hmm. with regards to those stolen emails. But that, you know, he's gotten a lot of other stuff. I mean, there's certainly a lot of lying that Trump did and the other people around him did. And that, you know, there, 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 there will be, in the case of his uh, one-time campaign manager, Paul Manafort, looks like he's going to probably end up going to jail for the rest of his life. Paulie Manafort. So, Manafort was, I mean, you have to understand, this guy goes back a long way, back to the 80s, and is one of the sleaziest Washington insiders and, you know, he'd fallen out of favor in the last 20 years and had worked for some of the shadiest clients you can imagine, not just oligarchs who were connected to Vladimir Putin, but, you know, here's somebody who had represented, uh, you know, Angolan rebels who were absolutely barbaric, uh, the Saudis at one point in arms deals, uh, one of my kind of favorite in my own reporting one of my favorite paul manafort stories that goes back in the day is that he was involved in trying to on the one hand secure 
low interest loans for housing developers that were supposed to be for poor communities. Mm-hmm. And on the back end, he was buying up the properties that he was lobbying for with his connections to the Reagan administration. Right. And when he went before Congress back in the day on this, like, you know, actually a pretty ethical Republican named Chris Chase asked him, don't you think this is terribly unethical? And he goes, we see, you know, I did everything I could to stay within the law. Like, you know, it's, it's one of these guys who kind of slicked, talked his way through his career. He's in his late sixties now. And uh, it looks like it's all going to kind of catch up with him. And, but I don't know how much of that is going to, how much of that stink is going to go on to Trump. And that's what I think, you know, they don't necessarily have because a, it would have probably leaked out and B you know, if you read some of these indictments, the campaign did not know what was in the email stash. So they wanted Roger Stone, another guy mm-hmm. who you've talked about on the podcast before, to find out from WikiLeaks what was in them. Well, that would suggest that there wasn't as much coordination as certainly I thought, you know, at the end of 2016. All right. All right. And then can you explain? I know it's probably like a long, long version, but can you explain Venezuela? Why is uh, the Venezuela thing pending? What's concerning about it? What's good about it? What's bad about it? What's going on in Venezuela? All right, I'm going to try to do it, break it down very simple. In 2015, the opposition to Nicolas Maduro won the election for the equivalent of their Congress, their National Assembly. And in response, Maduro, through a series of actions, effectively replaced the Congress with another body and stripped them of their power. So there's been this crisis that's been going on since 2015, and it culminated last May when Nicolas Maduro held an election, but you know he had arrested members of the opposition, but the opposition did not recognize that as a constitutional election. He, of course, won that election in 2018, the entire world pretty much, with the exception of Cuba and Russia, and I think Iran, uh, did not recognize it. I guess China also recognized it, but you know, none of the other, no other countries recognized the election. When Maduro's term came to an end, and his new term after winning the election uh, would start, which would have been January, I think it's January 11th, at that point, under the Venezuelan constitution, a, a, a sort of separate Supreme Court that is an exile determined that he was no longer the legitimate president and counseled the National Assembly to invoke an article in the Constitution to say that the president of the National Assembly, someone named Juan Guaido, who's been in the news, is the interim president until they can hold the next election. So Mm -hmm. he's not seizing power forever. It's not a coup. He's following the Venezuelan Constitution. And that all happened about a month ago in January. At which point, not only the United States, we forget this, but it was also almost the entire Latin America, something called the Lima Group, which are most countries with the exception of Cuba and Mexico and I think Uruguay. But everybody else in the entire Western Hemisphere recognized that Guaido was the interim president of Venezuela. Uh, About two weeks ago, you saw most of Europe follows suit. So now there are more than 50 countries who have recognized Guaido as the interim leader. In addition to all of that, uh, Venezuela, which used to be one of the wealthiest countries in South America, is now one of the poorest because of corruption and mismanagement that begins with Hugo Chavez, who was the president before Maduro. Right. 
as a result of that, Venezuela, which has a lot of oil and should be a pretty normal country, has a ridiculous level of hyperinflation, meaning that most average people earn only earn enough money to barely feed themselves, let alone their families. So there is a real crisis in Venezuela where millions of people have been forced to leave the country and they don't have enough food to feed their own people. So what happened over the weekend was that the United States and a few other countries tried to bring in convoys of food and medicine into the country to just address the population. And Maduro ordered the National Guard and his militias to attack those convoys, which is where you saw those incredible images of like trucks on fire and clashes that were in the news over the weekend. And then today there was an important meeting of this group of Lima where the they just announced that there was an intention of, you know, and the, and the United States is not, by the way, in that group. It's mainly Latin American countries. And they announced that they were going to seek charges against Maduro in the International Criminal Court. So slowly but surely, Maduro is losing his legitimacy. And what the United States has done, contrary to what you might hear from some of the more progressive voices who are fearing that the U.S. is planning an invasion or some sort of military action, which is not happening according to my reporting, what you're seeing is an effort to try to say that the state of Venezuela, which is no longer legitimate, can no longer spend the money that are in American banks. And there's quite a lot of it because you know most of Latin America does their banking in the United States. So that has put a real squeeze on the Venezuelan government. And I think that the one country that will stick with it is Cuba. But I mean, I, I think that the Russians, and the Chinese at a certain point are going to try to cut him, uh, cut him off and let him go. Because in this period when you know, Maduro was in charge and Chavez was in charge. They took out a number of loans from China and uh, Russia to build infrastructure. And at this point, if things continue, they don't have the ability to really pay those countries back. So there is a financial interest in the end to just sort of support an interim government and new elections in Venezuela so they can get their oil industry and everything back to normal. But again, Maduro has not stepped down, so we're in a little bit of a crisis at this point. Now, is is Venezuela right now, the way it's been run uh, as of recent, a socialist country? It is a socialist country, and we should. And it was, you know, and and I should also say, leading Western socialists until fairly recently believed that Venezuela was sort of a model for how to manage things. That said. It's not the only socialist model that there are, there are other countries like you could say Sweden has a, a socialist sort of hybrid model, Denmark, that are much more prosperous. But yes, Venezuela would count as a socialist country, but it wasn't just the socialism that ruined it. I think I'm, I myself am not a socialist, but it, wasn't, it was also just extraordinary corruption. So what you saw was that there is a, you know, in order to run the national oil company, you have to know how to run a business and understand how oil extraction works and a whole lot of other complicated things. And what Chavez began to do is just put his supporters and cronies in charge of this institution. It became kind of a cash cow. And therefore, of course, it became inefficient and, and was unable to do its basic function. So it was a combination of corruption and socialism. And also, you know, eventually the price of oil sort of went down and you know, eventually, you know, Venezuela really suffered. But it was this, it's incredible kind of mismanagement of the country. And there really is a lot of work to do. I mean, the statistics are baffling. If you think about it, the idea that like 
you know, you would, they would basically the experience in Venezuela is you would go into a supermarket. The price was so unstable that you would go in and like, you know, a carton of eggs would be so much money. And then by the time you lived like 30 minutes later, when you went to the cashier, it would be going up and up and up. Mm. And that's what they were dealing with. And this whole idea of socialism in the United States and, and, you know, it, I, I, listen, I claim to know nothing, but this whole idea of socialism in the United States, is that something that you could ever imagine uh, happening? Like that could ever be a real thing here? Well, the United States does not have a pure free market system. So, you know, we, there's, there, there's a lot of, the government subsidizes all kinds of industries in the United States, but it's still basically a kind. I, I can't imagine a system where there would be, you know, pretty much, you know, you, you, you'd have limits on how much wealth you could uh, have or that there would be, you know, very little private property. That's never really going to happen. Um, what we're really talking about is should there be really punitive taxes on billionaires and, you know, billionaires do pay taxes in the United States, but, you know, the, the, the proposals, I think, from some Democrats are that you, they should pay a whole lot more. But, you know, the, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. And sometimes, like, people like uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, she, she's not responsible for this decision, but she was very much against this deal in New York City for Amazon to put their headquarters there. And part of that deal was that Amazon would get a certain amount of tax breaks you know, because they were generating a lot of income for New York and New York State as well. But, you know, when she was asked about this, the way that she expressed it was that, you know, we could use the money from tax breaks to just go directly to the people. But that's not how it works, because the income that you would be getting a tax break on is not going to come to New York now. No, so now there's nothing. And, and, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with Long Island City. but I am, actually. I know. I, I believe it or not, my girlfriend and I have recently gone there, you know, independently of all this stuff. But I like it. Yeah, but but it's like there's nothing popping out there, and the reality of it is, it it you know, I think that it was, I think it was bad, and it's not just her. I think uh, the the New York, uh, um, the governmental uh, people, the, the the officials, the senators, the governor, the mayor, they fucked up because I think that um, it may not have been exactly what all of what they wanted. But they came in there with, oh, it's New York, uh, and now there's nothing there. And there were so many jobs and businesses in the neighborhood that were going to benefit from it. Uh, that's true. And there's so many people that you know would have used uh, and, and benefited from having those jobs. And uh, you know all the business that having a huge place like J Amazon, the diners, the restaurants, the coffee shops, and, and you know, you know, the housing. And now, now what's, what's plan B or C or D? There is none. There's, there's no, I mean, I, you know, I don't know all the, all the details, but there's no, there's no plan. So now it's a lot of, you know, space that hasn't been used. A lot of these big factories that haven't been used and, and, uh, you know, they like, oh, well, it's New York. Uh, you know, you have to do this, you do that. Well, well they fucking said, no, we're Amazon. We're going to take our business to Chicago or somewhere else. I, I think it was, I think it was bad. Right. And that. The truth of the matter is, is that, you know, you could, you could argue around the margins that it was too generous or that they, you know, that's fine. But like, I think that the, the rhetoric that was used against it saying that like, you know, it was terrible to, that this corporation was enticed to do it. There's a competition all over the country about the new Amazon headquarters. So yes, cities are competing with one another. So I think you're right. The one thing I would say to the listeners, if they're in New York City, there is a great museum in Long Island City called PS1, which is a branch of MoMA. Mm -hmm. the, 
I highly recommend that. Yeah, that is a, it's a, a cool mind trick. Um, what about uh, uh, Kim Jong-un and Trump, their big meeting in Vietnam that they're having? Um, well, this is, again, like it's premised on this goofball idea that Kim Jong-un really wants to have a 21st century economy in North Korea. And he obviously doesn't want that. Because if he did, it would require that his people would have a level of freedom that if they looked around and said, wait a second, the rest of the world is living like this and we're stuck here in North Korea, you know, he, would, he wouldn't last a day. So, th- like, that's Trump's pitch, which is what he has said from the beginning, is that he wants to, he believes that he can entice, he can bring this guy in from the cold by like saying, hey, you know, we can turn your country into like, you know, uh, you know, an, an economic tiger. And the, I don't think, I think at a certain level, like maybe that he's just, it's a con job on everybody else. And what he's really trying to do is just keep Kim Jong-un from testing missiles and stuff like that. But if we were to take him at his word, which I don't think we necessarily should, it just doesn't make any sense. Because in order to, for North Korea to be like South Korea, which is a normal country with a booming economy, you'd have to allow the citizens to have a level of freedom that they haven't had since the 40s right. or even before. And so that I, I actually went to North Korea once many years ago with Madeleine Albright when I covered the State Department for UPI. And it is, um, it, it's really a totalitarian state. It's, it's, it would, it's what I would imagine was like living under Joseph Stalin. And that is something that is only going to change when – you know, the the dictator is gone and his henchmen are gone. Um, so the idea that you're going to get him to reform, it's, something like that has never happened. He's going to cling to power, and he's also going to cling to his nuclear weapons at the end of the day right? because that's his insurance policy. If he can't blow up Tokyo and Seoul and threaten the United States, then, you know, the, there's no reason why there's, – there's like a list of reasons why, you know, you – North Korea's neighbors would want to get rid of it. So I think what he's really trying to do is just keep a lid on the situation, but that's just kicking the can down the road. And it basically means that North Koreans will be able to create a crisis, you know, whenever they want, probably with Trump again. But for now, what he'll say is it's been a year and there haven't been any missile tests or nuclear tests. And isn't that good? And then he'll, and then when he says we've solved the nuclear issue, which he did last year, that's just totally bullshit. That's not true. No, he's still, he hasn't gotten rid of, his facilities, and, the, and according to, to U.S. intelligence officials who testified before Congress, he's continuing to perfect these systems. So what are you going to do? I mean, it, it's not – we haven't seen much give on that. And, and I think that, you know, the sanctions are beginning to erode against North Korea, which is to be expected at this point. And so it's possible you could see another declaration that tries to soften the relationship between North and South Korea because – they still don't have normal relations. It's still an armistice from the Korean War from the 1950s. But again, I mean, the problem is Kim Jong-un. And if you think that he's going to reform because he, he's going to realize, wow, it's it's not good being a terrible dictator, uh, that's just not going to happen. Uh, we got Bernie. We got fucking Schultz. We got uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala, uh, uh, and all these other flunkies running for president. Um I am concerned that collectively they're going to wind up uh, getting in the way of each other um, and 
I just don't know if anybody can beat can beat Trump. I don't know if anyone can beat him. I mean, obviously, uh, nobody knows you're not a fortune teller. But out of that batch, crying Cory Booker, uh, which uh, uh, you know, I'm sure Trump will, will will steal that nickname at some point uh, from me. Uh, but but I mean, who do you think is going to be the the person that winds up going uh, mano y mano with the uh, the inevitable uh, Dick Stain? Well, it's too soon to tell. There's one positive spin on having all these candidates, which is that whoever emerges from the scrum will be better prepared. The negative side is that the party itself, like so to appeal to Democratic Party primary voters, you have to go in a direction that a lot of the rest of the country is going to feel uncomfortable with. But then again, you know, Trump is kind of like, I mean, do you, I, I think that Trump is beatable in 2020 because you could just sort of say, look at him, you know, he's, he's, he's not, he hasn't been able to really deliver his big promise of the wall. Um, he's constantly surrounded and, and stalked by scandal. The guy lies all the time. I mean, these are usually weaknesses for politicians, and he got away with being the shit talker supreme when he didn't have a record anybody could really measure because he wasn't in politics. Mm -hmm. So he was able to say, I'm against all this crap. I'm going to change it and shake it up. Well, if you're president for four years, you have to run in some ways on your record. You can't just say, I mean, he's going to try to say, I'm running against the deep state. But, you know, that's not, I don't think that people are going to buy that. So, so there, he should be beatable. The problem is, is that are the Democrats in a moment like in 1972, the year I was born, I think you were, what, three or four years old, right? I was two. You were two. Okay, so in 1972, the Democrats going up against Nixon could have nominated someone like Scoop Jackson, who was in a pretty moderate Democrat, who was you know tough on Soviets and stuff like that. But they went in the end of the day with George McGovern, who was, you know, the, the, the tagline against him famously was, McGovern is, I think, is acid abortion and like anarchy or something like that. But it was the idea was that they went so far left that, you know, the, Nixon would, should have been beatable. But it was the contrast that they wanted. And Nixon was able to run on this idea of law and order when the country was coming apart. And he won again in 1972, you know, and with a little help of the Watergate burglars, you could argue. Right. So in this case, is Trump going to have the benefit of the Democrats kind of nominating somebody who is not going to appeal to the rest of the country like they did in 72. And that's the big question. And, you know, we'll see because so far the mood seems to be that everybody is trying to get to each other's left, which is why it's important that Howard Schultz, who should have run as a Democrat, you'd think is running as an independent. He's not even going for that party's nomination. He says they're too far out there. So we'll see how it plays out. But again, it's we're a long way away from that, and I would expect. But we're not that. Long, it's not that scandal. long away. I mean, it's coming up. It is. Com you're right. It's coming up. I'm saying, in the sense that, like, there's going to be more scandal coming. It's not just the Mueller report. It's the Southern District of New York is like on his is on Michael Cohen, his lawyer, and they got think about it like this: like they got Cohen, his lawyer, right? What, John Dowd was one of his first lawyers. Spent like, like there was a story like 80 hours with like the prosecutor. It's kind of extraordinary. So I think that Trump does have a lot of vulnerabilities here. That's all I'm saying. All right, Eli. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the insight. Keep doing your thing. And uh, uh, Eli Lake, the official, unofficial I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast political correspondent, rocking with us once again. Thank you. All right, Eli. I'll talk to you soon. That's great, man. Thanks. All right. What more do you want? What more 
can I give? I am Rapport Stereo Pockets. I want to thank Eli Lake for rocking with uh, me once again. Um, the final thing that I heard is that, you know the Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper song from A Star Is Born? Uh, I think it's called Shallow. Yeah, it's called Shallow. And it starts off, uh, I'll try to sing it. Tell me something, boy. Da-da-da-da. Whatever the fuck she says. And then Bradley Cooper's character comes in and says, Tell me something, girl. People are offended that they used gender-specific terms. This is the world that we're living in now. People were upset that uh, uh, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, uh, wrote this song with gender-specific terms. I don't know when it's going to stop, how it's going to stop, why you get offended by things, why you, you just look to find anything to get offended by, but U.S. Airlines is also set to allow passengers to choose non-binary ticket options. So when they're buying their tickets, they could say, uh, ma'am, um, Mr. Michael Rappaport, Miss Michael Rappaport are unspecific, undisclosed. American Delta, United Southwest, Alaska, JetBlue will also offer the option soon. I, I, don't, I don't know where we're going. I know that this is the end of this Smash Mouth I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, and I know we end things like this. I need something real proper, something real nice, and something real funky to take me out of here. Miles, Jordan, give me something funky. <laughs>